Ice Kacang presents In Conversation, a podcast offering in-depth view into the lives and creative processes of successful entrepreneurs, ambassadors and icons. Hello and welcome into In Conversation. I am Silan Paul and today I'm speaking to Tan Sri Azman Hashim, iconic banker, founder and chairman of Mbank Group. Thank you very much for being here. I mean, it's a privilege for us to... Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> That's very humble of you. It's just so nice to be with someone who has led a whole financial industry, uh, who's been in the banking sector since 1960s. And I'm sure we can actually learn a lot from you and have this very casual uh, conversation with you. So maybe we can start off with about your past, being in a very big family, 13 siblings uh, in Kampung Baru. Maybe you can tell us... How you grew up at that point of time? Yeah, I must say that, you know, I come from a, not a rich family. It's, it's a, I would say, a low income. Mm-hmm. My father was a clerk. My mother a school teacher, Malay okay. school teacher. So, they have to maintain a family of 13. That's not easy. Wow, it's tough. But those days, I never realized all that. Like, you know, you just go on and you feel that. I didn't feel deprived when like that, even oh. though you were 13 children. And uh, actually, we stayed in Stapak many years because my mother was a teacher there. Mm-hmm. And her house is just attached to the school. The house is actually a small dining table there, plus a lounge, small also, and a one-bedroom and a kitchen. Just imagine. So, all, when all, do everybody sleep there? Yeah. All hidden under the chairs, under the sofa, you know. At night, everybody on the floor. Okay. <laughs> and then when we have to eat, you know, it has to be taking turns. Too many, yeah. yeah. Table very small, so maybe three turns. But I never feel deprived because we that's how we live those days. Mm-hmm. And but my mother's uh, priority was education. By the way, she's my only role model, really. Oh, really? My mother, yeah, she's great. You know, she, she sounds very influential in your life. She is, you know, because uh, besides all that, she is a teacher. At the end, in Kampung Baru, Kampung Baru Girls School is the largest Malay girls' school in the country. And she was headmistress, you know. And you just imagine being headmistress of the school, thousands of students and all that. And then running the family. And what, what kind of values that she had that you felt like she's was a real role model for you? Well, I think she had the principles, you know. For example, on education, uh, she's very strong on that, of course, being a teacher. Mm-hmm. She was the first, uh, in the first group of Malay ladies uh, being trained. I think it was in like a teacher's college, the mm-hmm. first group. So she was, uh, had got that sort of uh, input. And uh, so priority is education. I know that my father, for example, very old-fashioned. But she stood firm on that one, you know. And uh, so my sisters are all educated. I think if you listen to my father, uh, they will not be educated at all. Okay. These are the old days, like, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one very good value. That means you yes. better really showcase your strength in what you believe yes. in. Yes. Okay. Of course... Um, we're not used to luxuries, no? so I think that's also part of the. We don't look up for that as children. We just focus now education. That's all. As a teacher, of course, is very okay. disciplined. You know, um, she's stronger than my father in terms of disciplining the children. Okay. Like she has no choice, I guess. Thirteen of us, you know. But one thing I remember, you know, those days, as I said, she was teaching in Stapa School, just attached to the house. Yeah. And when I was preschool, I think. So I was quite free and she was teaching. Sometimes I would go into her class and sit down there. One day, my mother didn't talk to me at all, but she disciplined me in the class, scolded me and all that. So I was wondering what's going on. <laughs> so when I got back to the house later on, I was upset, like, you know? Yeah, I said, yeah. what is this? You know, I was not the culprit. 
But she never said anything. Uh, but she didn't scold me either in the house. You know, but so I thought later on, of course, I, when I'm older, I realized that she was just trying to show the children, the students, the lesson. You know, said, look, even my son, uh, he doesn't know. I'm not going to excuse him. You see. But this type of thing, uh, I think a discipline and uh, as a teacher, I suppose she has to show a good example. And this is the thing that uh, we all behave ourselves. All my siblings, I think we behave ourselves. You know. I mean, it's really nice to know that when you were going through your tough childhood, I mean, I would say tough in the sense of economical and such, but I can see that you had a really strong support system in terms of your mother. But apart from that, how do you go through your secondary school and uh, moving on to studying at a higher education and such? Actually, uh, I started with the Malay school okay. in Stampak. I spent uh, three years there. That was the progress to this. Like, and this is 19... 40s, 50s. So, progression, you go to Malay school. Uh, I did three years. Mm-hmm. Most Malay students then carry on, you know. Okay. Because the, the targets become a teacher. They go to Tanyu Malay Teachers College. You know? But uh, some of us, I'm not sure how many percent, but some of us had the opportunity to go into an English school. Mm-hmm. You start at the, they call it special Malay class. Funny, my brother so go to Victoria Institution, Batu Road now. I was posted to Sentul, Sentul Methodist Boys School, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a bit away. I sleep on Stapa. I was in Stapa then. I had to cycle in the morning all the way down uh, Pahang Road and then all the way up to Sentul. By the way, but later on we shifted to Kampung Pandan, uh, even further for me to cycle. <laughs> but we cycled it. Anyway, uh, so from there, two years in session Malay class and then uh, I was fortunate, you know, being a small school, I think they were not like the VI Batu Road where you follow the normal promotion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was given only myself, given a promotion, triple promotion. Started class one, two, I was supposed to go to three, I went to five. Wow. Then five to six, six to eight, I saved three years. <laughs> so when I got to standard nine, which is the Cambridge form five, more uh-huh. or less, I was the youngest. I was 14 years old. 14 when, years old? Uh, and then my colleagues were all. I was 14, the rest all big boys. Some of them, uh, you know, 19, even 20, we got those days. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> but uh, you were just about to hit puberty where they, else, they all are oh, the yeah. adults. <laughs> yeah, the, so I cannot understand their jokes. Uh. <laughs> no, but actually, uh, no, I, we really, uh, I felt like one of them, you know, they really uh, also treated me very well. Because I, I was very competitive, you know, even though I was 14 and at that time, form 5, mm-hmm. I was small. Small in size, I competed in everything. Of course, I couldn't beat them in badminton or I couldn't play football. They're too big for me. Table tennis also, I was there, but not quite there. So you had a very interesting childhood, a very challenging, and then you had a very interesting uh, growth in uh, studies. But let me say this: yeah. I think uh, you know my childhood is uh, student days is not easy. I suppose you know I had. Uh, to go to school myself, cycle miles, you know, it was like from Pasaro to Sentul. And uh, books, uh, we have to either pass down, because so many of us yeah. pass down from the or we buy second hand or third hand, things like that, you know. And uh, we probably don't have enough pocket money or nothing like that, you know. Yeah. But, but those days, it didn't bother us. I suppose we don't compare ourselves with others and uh, because of environment like that. So that I don't feel deprived as... Uh, Things to me really good. I said, okay, it is good. This is how we live. <laughs> but 
that's how to accept it. I think you know you don't you don't compare yourself with the rich people. Why you know you don't need those things. You need the basic things only. Yeah. I remember my brother was a younger brother was in the VI, you know, became a prefect. Okay. And then uh, the school insisted the prefect must use black shoes. Uh. He can only afford a uh, one pair of shoes, the white one. So he painted it black, lah. Uh. <laughs> 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 yes, but you know, we improvise, lah. Uh, but no complaints, you know. Yeah. Mm. You know what, Tanzir? I can actually relate a lot to you. Uh, ah, thank you. <laughs> mainly because I think in my family, my mom also played a, a really big part. Ah. Uh, even though she was illiterate. Uh, but uh, she basically drove the family And I also can relate to your brother's story Because when I was moving from uh, primary school to secondary school I was the only son in the family So my sisters will do the hand-me-downs So elder will pass to the second yeah, yes. Second will pass to the third But there's none for me So my mom had to actually ask my neighbors hand-me-down For me to wear the green pants to go to secondary school So we're going for a short break now, Tansri We'll be right back This is In Conversation with Tansri Azman Hashim Hello everyone Welcome back to In Conversation with Tansri Azman Hashim Founder and Chairman of M-Bank Group Tansri, you took a bank And you transformed M-Bank Group To become one of the largest financial institutions in Malaysia can you share that journey? Uh, how did you manage to transform that? And using whatever experiences that you had during childhood, your studies, and how do you move into becoming one of the biggest bank in the country? Well, that's a big story, but okay, we are jumping into that era. Because I was fortunate in a way, you know, because uh, I did my chartered accountancy in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an accident, by the way. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're supposed to do meds. No, I... Oh, you I, wanted to do medicine. Well, well, the way I thought I would fail my Cambridge exam, you know. Oh, okay. Because I thought I did my English very badly because uh, uh, I did my essay. I think it was just a nice short essay, I thought. I saw I would have the time, you know. That's what everybody else still doing. So I had to rewrite my essay nicely, you know. <laughs> Those days, you fail English or you fail maths, you fail the whole exam. Yeah. So what yeah. happened was... Uh, those days, uh, 1950s, uh, you only know about doctor, lawyer, teacher, police, dentist, uh, police. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, okay, I want to be a doctor. Uh, but uh, to do that, I had to go to a science uh, HAC. Mm. Because I sat back in the class, and the results came out, there was a vacancy in Penang, Penang Free School for science. Uh. I want to do medicine. My father won't let me there. He wanted me, don't want me to stay with my uncle. You know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but I still applied for scholarship lah for medicine or federal scholarship, state scholarship. Couldn't get lah. I did my high school certificate, the MBSKL, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Central Tada, you know. <laughs> so they don't have small school. So I went there, not science, the arts for a few months there, and then one day the, the headmaster is a, a Malaysian Japanese lah, Mr. Mori, T. Mori. I think he knows I'm my father's mother Japanese, I think, you know. But I didn't know him. But he just kept an eye. One day, he passed by the class and said, hey, you, you apply for this scholarship. <laughs> That's the accounting... That's all I said. Oh, okay. I didn't know what it was. So I look at the thing. Oh, Colombo Plan, Australia, Chartered Accountancy. Okay, la, apply. La. So I called for interview. I had to look up the encyclopedia. Accountancy. What is it? Accountancy. <laughs> so when we interview. <laughs> so... And I was lucky, I think there were many applicants, uh, they selected four. And I think I got it probably because I was age young. Like, huh? So you would be what? 15. 15. 15. Okay. So that's how I got into accountancy. And that is the 
that enabled me to get into the banking side, you know, Central Bank and then Maybank, give yeah. me all the experience. So when I got into the my own bank, Revolution at that time, Revolution Bank, uh, of course I had the experience, I had my knowledge as well. I was very confident. Mm-hmm. Somehow, so confident, you know, I was not scared of anything. I think that I can do it because I've done it. So that was in the 1970s? 1970s and 80s. Because, you know, I spent uh, 10 years in Malayan banking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. building up the whole thing. So I've, I've gone through the mill. Yeah. I felt confident that I could do the same thing. You know, This thing is not about money. You know? mm-hmm. It's about uh, doing something that you, you like and also being passionate about it. And... Driving for excellence, you know, you know, hunting for money. Yeah, you're doing to the best of your ability, you know. Yeah. I mean, you do your thing because you're passionate about it. You do your best, and that's it. And the benefits, they will know, fall into place. And they're ancillary, yeah. you know, ancillary. But that's not your primary objective, you know. So that was mine. I was just building the thing. Okay, I started with the investment bank, then build it up, try to acquire finance company, commercial bank. So stop broking. That's all thing. Usually, uh, I mean, traditionally, people's uh, mindset is, "Hey, I work for a big company like Maybank. Why would I want to go and then uh, work double the hard trying to build up something from small <laughs> to big?" And w- what made you really do that? That is something that probably quite different from other people, especially those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, entrepreneurship. That's what you call entrepreneurship, and uh, a bit of courage as well. I think a lot of courage, Tansri. Especially those days. Yes, yes. Nowadays, you know, there's so many things like the internet, all that. You can, you can do your own thing. People are starting as yes. and such. But yeah. those days, as I said earlier, you want to be a doctor, lawyer, and all that, or become civil servant. Yeah. Get a government job. So when I came back as a chartered accountant, a chartered secretary, of course, my parents wanted me to join the government service, lah, and. Uh, He had a good friend in the central bank, Bank Negara then. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went for interview in the private sector. That is the accounting firms. I remember Pete Mawik offered me a job. And then I remember those days, they call it Colonial Development Corporation, CDC. It's amazing that you remember all these details, Anantri, even after so many years. Yeah, these, are, these are important details. Like, because <laughs> these are, these are well, what do you call, turning points in my life. Okay. What you decide to do, you know. Uh, both of these people offered me jobs, huh? CDC as well. I decided to join Bank Negara. But suffice it, you go there, but if you're not comfortable, you can always come back. The job is for you. So I went into Bank Negara. But after, uh, I think about eight months or so, I was wanting to go back to the CDC. Okay. At that time, uh, Tony Smile just came back from the IMF. He became Deputy Governor. For was, Bank Negara? For Bank Negara. He was Deputy uh-huh. Governor. And he came in after me. I was there earlier. By the way, I've been through the all the governors until today. I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> all the governors. Anyway, Tony smiled. Somehow took a liking for me. Like somehow, I was only 21. He sent me to Bank of England course. You know, three months. That was great. So when I want to go back to CDC, he called me to his room. He says, "He said, why? Why don't you go there? And one day you can be a governor." I said, "No." So I told him, you know, I actually, my training, five years Australia, child accountant, is actually uh, to go into big practice, do business, you know. He said, who did you meet, uh, you know, CDC? I said, I'll oh, meet the boss, Mr. Fines. He told the secretary, get me Mr. Fines. <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Fines got on the phone. You know what he told him? Hmm. Are you think I was man over my dead body? <laughs> 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 That was the end of it. <laughs> Send me back. <laughs> 
Four years later, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I stayed four years. You know? At Bank Negara? Wow. Okay. Four years later, this is the one, the big decision. You were saying, what made me go out? Four years later, I went to see him again. He decided he was governor. Mm. I said, uh, you know, I decided I want to go into practice on my own. He said, no, 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 you should stay. No, no, you go back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next day, I came in again early morning. I said, you know, I thought about it still. Then he gave me his blessing. After that, when I started my practice, uh, husband and co, you know, one person, mm-hmm. he always spread a good word about me. Like, oh, that's nice. Uh, that's nice. So he really uh, gave blessing, which is, which is great. Not only that, subsequently, when me, Malayan Banking got into trouble, mm-hmm. he put me on the board. That's how I got into that. Okay. But the decision to start my own practice. Four years into... Uh, that, is a, that is a big decision. Of course, my friends and families will think I'm crazy. Like, hey, why? <laughs> Those days, you, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. you want working in a very steady government job. Huh? Mm. Why you want to go out there? I think, But I think it's your competitive nature that you nurtured when you were young when you were 14 and yeah. you were competing with the 17 and 19 years old, has built that <coughs> character for you to take that risk and I jump. Th- mm-hmm. And I think city boys have some advantage because from the start... You're competing. You're competing. So. Yeah. Like in my class, I got Indian, Chinese, Malaysian. I'm already wanting to compete. You know, mm-hmm. From the beginning, I said, I want to be up there. So everybody wants to compete. And it's the lifestyle, you know, you know, your mixture. You're mixing with other people who are really working hard, mm-hmm. you know. I study with them. I go to their house after. So we see how we all work. And we play together as well, you know. So I think this may not be happening too much. You know? So, But if you're living in a city and you have a mixture like that in your environment, your classroom, all that, you're bound to be competitive. I think that's the advantage. So as you said, that part of it, yes. But us, I think, when I was in Australia mm-hmm. for five years, huh? we're independent, You yeah. know, uh, you make up your own mind. I mean, that more adventurous, I think, you know. So when I came back, um, I wanted to practice what I learned. And, you know, to start on your own. I started with a one-man show, like me, yeah. me, my wife, a secretary, and my office boy. That's all. Because my wife lasted only two, three weeks, I think. She, <laughs> I didn't say her, she resigned. She said, apa ini, banyak complain. <laughs> you must be a perfectionist person, I guess. Not really, lah. You know, I can't remember what uh, upset her, lah. You know, but you know, she also knew lah to the job, huh? Yeah. But anyway, all I know that she said, "I'm resigning." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dancery, for sharing your journey from your childhood to your early days in banking sector. It was very insightful, Dancery. We are coming towards the end of this episode. In our next episode, we will find out what it takes to be a successful leader. Catch our episodes in icekacang.com.my and you can have our podcast in your smartphone by downloading our app in Google Store or App Store.